0: Thank you. All right, I got some. I got some chefs in the room. I got some chefs in the room. The chefs, could want to come up here. Who we've got? We've got Matt. Who else we've Paul got? West. We've got Matt. Paul West. Peter Pete Hilkey. Hilkey. Peter, Peter Hilkey. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, uh, Julian, Julian, will come up. Yeah, who can come up? Yeah, he can talk. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll go and sit here. Go sit in the middle. Hello. All right. Um, let's let's talk about food now. Hooray! Hi, it's, hello, Hello, Richie Cornish.
1: <laughs> Shall I introduce you? We've got a star-studded lineup. Here, star-studded so.
0: lineup. These are chefs. I know. They cook stuff, and they're ace.
1: And there were were to be some women on this panel. May I just say, but things have come up.
0: Did so. anyone was anyone, <laughs> was anyone at lunch at the uh, cooking demonstration yesterday? Did anyone, did, you, did anyone see the remarkable reveal that we had when, um, when, our, when our first chef on oh, the left... James mate,
1: Bond was in the house. James. <laughs>
0: We had this guy, this guy, Paul West, we were talking about octopus. We couldn't find him anywhere and he walked over over the, um, uh, the rock wall and then jumped up on stage wearing a pair of boardies and with, with, with a snorkel, dripping and wet. Snorkel and goggles. We had to towel him down before we could have a microphone in his hand. <laughs> I love a gag. <laughs> it was good. Oh, Unfortunately, was very, I
1: couldn't think of anything
2: to top it today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: you could have flown in on a helicopter or something. I could have jumped something. out of that yeah. half
2: yeah. surf up the top there. That was good. <laughs>
1: Called so, out. Hello. So this, this is Paul
0: it's West. Let's just, we're, we're casual now. We can just yeah. let, let it's it a lov- Yeah,
1: it's the yeah. end of the day. It's fun. Paul West.
0: Paul Hello. West. AKA a- James Bond.
1: AKA yeah. a- James Bond.
0: Okay. Julian. You cook. We were giving out, you get Julian, yeah. he's at, at, um, at Gray's in, in Pasco Street here in Apollo Bay. Really, really good chef. And he was doing the most delicate knife, knife work on calamari yesterday. Oh, and there's, amazing. And there's this guy there, black t shirt, he's got his reflector <laughs> mirrors on, he's got his hair, all his hair flying around him. And I just looked at him and he looked like a common chero. And I, like, <laughs> and I had to explain that there were some, you, no, it wasn't you, there were some women there in their, in their hats and they're nice hats and some of them wearing pearls, some uh, of wearing pearls and some of the Western District Matrons and they go, oh well, he looks a little bit rough for me, like <laughs> and like, they're, they're grasping their pearls. They're no, uh, yes, grasping. We had to explain that, uh, that Hi, Julian Hi, Toussaint from from Grey, from. um, from gray, from gray, um. um Gray's is one of the best chefs and like cooks beautifully. He cooks absolutely beautifully. Yeah, he's ace. We love him. But there's
1: another great chef in the region sitting next to Julian, Matt Gimangis. Welcome.
3: This is Matt Gimangis. Welcome. Yes.
1: And Tottie's. Where, what, tell us about what's happening and when in uh, Lawn.
3: That's part of the Lawn Hotel. So I'm currently working there and we're sort of just building a new restaurant downstairs called Tottie's. Probably more... Uh, Probably more Italian slant, but really connected to what we do in the coast and stuff like that. So, you know, seafood When are you slated to open? Um, can't give an exact date, but I would say middle of March, middle of March. as it always is. Middle you just don't March. know. Yeah. We just six back. weeks, six weeks. They know. Yeah, so always just say, every
1: time you see and we'll see you next week. Six weeks. <laughs> <So we're laughs> probably six weeks.
0: But here's, people might remember Match from places such as... Um, Pay Modern. Pay Modern. Yeah. Captain Moonlight. Oh, Captain, Captain Moonlight. Moonlight. Oh, I miss Captain Moonlight. Oh, miss oh, miss oh. Moonlight. Miss <laughs> hey, actually, we're in the Surf Life <laughs> Saving Club. Can you can you cook us something, mate? Yeah, I know. It seems like home. Okay. Yes, welcome. And next to me is one of the seafoods Greatest ambassadors in Australia. Uh, he's working with uh, with the uh, abalone mob uh, this weekend. But he's just what, he know, what he's forgotten about uh, Seaford I wish I could ever learn. His name's Peter Hilkey. And will you please welcome all our chefs along here today? <clears throat> let's eat. Let's eat let's, the problem.
1: Let's eat the problem. Shall we start, Paul West?
2: Am I the you, problem, or have I got an answer to this yeah, question?
1: I'm going to throw a question to you to get to, because you've been here since this morning. I have. What stood out to you in terms of the problems we should be eating? Let's start with sea urchin. That's a good, it's a sea festival. Talk yeah. to us about do you use that much, and um, how would you approach? eating that problem. So so
2: I live on the far south coast of New South Wales on Ewan Country at a place called Bermagui uh, and we have kelp forests there that are affected by urchins, so the long spined urchin. Uh, In fact if you've ever been to Bermagui there's a beautiful little uh, north-facing beach called Horseshoe, uh, Horseshoe Beach, Horseshoe Bay and it's a great place for little kids, for adults alike, you can literally walk off the beach and in waist deep water you're in these amazing uh, seagrass gardens, all different kinds of uh, algal kelp uh, and it's really amazing you know that that it's right there and there's all this incredible fish diversity and then you go out a little bit deeper and then you hit the urchin barrens and it's like it's just like a switch turns you go from this underwater wonderland to this moonscape with these alien creatures crawling around so I always like to uh, whenever I take the kids out for a dive uh, and for a snorkel um, I usually like to come back with a bag full of urchin as well uh, and then usually crack them open on the beach and eat them raw like I'm drinking out of the skull of a conquest, you know, <laughs> <laughs> enemy in some, oh, like, oh, ancient Jamaica. Scandinavian battlefield, yeah. uh, <laughs> which, you know, in January to the, uh, to the genteel beach-going holiday public of Bermagui can cause <laughs> like a bit of a count. scene. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> So I like making water-based entries generally. You know, it's uh, we can see a
1: theme, a theme, a theme, a going a theme going
2: there. Theme usually for some sort of effect. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Paul was like, the same
0: women were going, oh, who were wondering, who were wondering about jewellery, they, they were doing something else with, it with their hands. When, they, you're like, when this, this big hairy man, bronzed hairy man, appeared on stage, dripping, with them, they're going. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Betty Hill theme you rage? <laughs>
2: You're making me blush now, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen, <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> happen. <laughs> 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 happen too often. We're
1: going back <laughs> to the, the Scandinavian king on yes, the citizen yes. Go uh,
2: And there. <laughs> so, uh, for me, I like to. You know, I don't know how much of an impact personally I'm having. Well, I, you know, not, certainly not a scientific impact, uh, but my, you know, citizen science observation is I'm having very little impact uh, on the urchin populations in those areas. Uh, but I do like to think that even one person can slightly minimise the pressure and that is most likely totally in my own mind uh, and I don't think, you know, that I'm certainly changing the problem there Uh, but instead of just going out there and going, oh, oh bugger, oh this sucks, uh, I can go, well, there's something to eat here uh, and it's something that is probably from, you know, from human interaction uh, in the landscape in the first place uh, and also, you know, getting to teach my kids that, you know, that you can, you can eat from the sea, you can eat from the land, uh, you know, you don't have to eat from a supermarket, which is something that's like increasingly rare in our world, that opportunity for them to be able to interact with a wild space and, and gain sustenance from it uh, and love it as well. So, uh, and I keep it pretty simple, like they never get off the beach. I don't want to carry them home. Uh, but it's all, you know, because uh, I've only got a little, you know, kind of block in town and they do make great compost as well. Uh, if you can be bothered smashing them up uh, and, and composting them. In fact, there's a great initiative um, on the south coast called uh, Ocean to Earth uh, and they're a new kind of composting startup. They take fish waste from the uh, Eden Fishing Co-op uh, and the, the kind of commercial fishing operations there as well as the urchins and they compost it and they make this absolutely amazing, uh, you know, stuff for your garden.
0: And in Tasmania, they've got a big, uh, a big collection program there. They've got a lot of people from uh, people from New Zealand who, who are working in the factory there because the, the skill, the, um, um, the Maori people working there and they're sending the urchin off, the long-spined urchin meat row off to uh, New Zealand. And uh, they're using the shells. The shells are not actually a waste stream. They're actually uh, a profit-making scheme because they mm-hmm. get crushed because they're so high in boron. Yeah. And boron poor soils, actually, they actually become a soil additive. It's pretty amazing. Hey, um, what, 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 what's the general reaction when you're putting something like an urchin, like venison, like a wild boar sausage in front of the audience? Are people enjoying that? They're going, yes. Are there diners across New South Wales and, and, and the West Coast, are they eating that? What are, what are people saying about that when you put it on the menu? Are they buying it?
4: Well, I, I find that you know, uh, venison's probably one of our best sellers. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, you know, for us, it's a, it's a local product. The ethics behind taking it as a as a chef, it's it's you feel good about using it because um, I know a- Anthony and I know um, I had a great chat to him when we started using him, and uh, 100% of that animal gets used, so it's it's a great thing. And it's like um, I think the first question was, um, all right, so what do you want? To, what do you need to get rid of? You know, you know, what have you got more of? that I can take. I'm not going to be taking back straps and fillets because I know everywhere wants them. And um, that's a
0: commercial that's a commercial decision. Yeah, so you get yeah, yeah, a, a yeah, lower yeah. price dish so you can put it on the menu with a bit <laughs> of margin. and we
4: can we can put it out affordably. Affordably. So, yeah, so yeah. people aren't paying a fortune for it. I know that he can take more deer because I can I'm taking a product that no one else wants. Um, and and therefore and, and even over January it was like ring him up, I need more. I need, need, need lots more, you know. <laughs> like we're we're going through it heaps.
3: Matt Matt Manchester. Oh, for me, I think it's it's not only that. It's a great story. It's a it's a story of what we do locally, and and um, it connects people and it gets people engaged. And with that engagement, um, people feel connected to it, and they want to try right. it and they want to give it a go. Um, and you know, if you're really clear about that. And make it distinct and honest. Um, I think people really resonate to, to not, not only eating that product but understanding what, what, where it comes from.
0: But you're based in where, where are you based? You're based. Where, where are you based? Well, I'm based in Melbourne. Yeah, based in Melbourne. But you travel all around Australia. Yeah. And you eat at all the restaurants. You hang out with, uh, with the top chefs. What's the story from your perspective, being that that roving ambassador? How people are looking at things like medicine, like uni, like the long-spined uh, urchin. Well, I mean, look, for me, every, everything that I talk about, it's about the providence.
5: Okay. About where it comes from. Yeah. You know, how it's the farming, whether it's be farmed, whether it's it's come from the bush. When you put that holistic story together, there's a motive part behind it that people need to know. The story. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. Story. And when they know the, the whole story behind it, then... A lot of the truck chefs out there with their menus you're starting to see a lot of changes in the menus. They're going for the local produce, they're going for, you know, the holistic practices that bring a quality product to the plate. And I just think that's imperative and as part of what I do with a lot of talks is actually, you know, is it based around that the provenance because that's where it starts.
0: Yeah. Building that story.
1: I was in terms of stories and the storytelling, which are obviously key in menus and restaurants and being at the coalface of even trend changing, um, we talked, you touched on potentially eating pigs, feral pigs before and things. Is, is it just the story that would get them on a menu, Julian?
4: I'd, I'd put them on next week if I could get them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like, get me some. Yeah.
5: <laughs>
1: what about like, you, Paul? On,
4: honestly, like, like, like I, I, would, I would love to. You know that would you know it's it's perfect.
0: Isn't it funny? Like in, in Australia, yeah. we've got this funny thing about eating species uh, that are, that are not commercial species. that we are trained to eat uh, wagyu. We're trained to eat beef. We're trained to eat lamb. Um, but it is like training, you, you yeah. go to Spain, you go to France, Portugal, like um, you know uh, Greece, like wild species are on it's the crazy. on there. Paul, have we been trained out of eating the the wild animals, but also our native animals as well?
2: Yeah, I I, I probably don't hugely condone the eating of native animals, uh, especially when we've got a pest problem that we can. Uh, Certainly when when colonisation took place in Australia, uh, the colonisers didn't have the luxury of going, oh I actually wouldn't mind some Wagyu, Uh, or maybe some little (laughs) fat lambs might be the good. You know, they were, they they had no idea about the country uh, and they learned or observed what, what the First Nations people were doing and, and mimicked that. I don't know, you know, how much they actually interacted with learning, uh, but certainly there was a mimicry involved. Uh, and there are a stack of uh, great old texts uh, from the colonial days that had things like parrot and possum pie and roast echidna and things like that. And, you know, given the state of native ecology in Australia, I probably, I don't, you know, let's not go out and eat parrots and possums and uh, and echidnas, but certainly feral meat, for sure. And, I mean, I, I grew up in regional New South Wales in a town called Murrurundi. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that. Murrurundi, great part of the world, top of the Hunter Valley. Uh, and my family had the local firearm retailing business in the 80s and early 90s, and we ran a pig chiller. Uh, so, and it was a big, it was a big part of the trade of the business in those days. And licensed hunters would come in, uh, and they would bring wild shot meat in uh, into a freezer that would then be assessed uh, and then exported to Germany because culturally they have a history and an enjoyment of eating wild pig meat. And there wasn't enough wild pigs in Germany for them to make their wild boar sausage, so they were importing Australian pigs. And I'm not sure what state the industry is in currently uh, but there's certainly culturally we don't have that and we look at it like why would I eat dirty wild meat when I can get you know nice clean farmed meat and I think there's a lot of great practices happening in the farming space in Australia I think we're actually one of the, the kind of global leaders in thought around regenerative agriculture because of the challenges of the Australian climate but we've also got just countless feral species here that are absolutely running rampant and they're all they're, they're feral because they were imported as a foodstuff like we, like the deer for the naturalisation society, so we could get a spot of sport in the bush, you know, something a little more familiar, you know, I, I don't know about these bloody kangaroos, only got two legs, no good there, I want a good old set of antlers for the mantelpiece, uh, and you know, look at New South Wales, the great, the great dividing range, the pigs, the deer, and you know, I, I now live in the southeast, uh, New South Wales, and I work for the ABC there, and the, the feral horse population in the snowy mountains, I mean, that's like, we, we cover it on on the radio and it is such a hotbed because we've got you know snowy mountain graziers that listen and we've got people from the feral species council that are listening and it's you know we get death threats and stuff by talking by calling them feral horses instead of brumbies but in my fantasy world I was kind of thinking about this in the lead up to and I'm sorry I won't monopolize the conversation um that my kind of fantasy would be to see something like a feral burger shop that was only designed to go to the point of eradication because I know Jackie touched on we don't want to really like incentivize these animals to maintain and that was also brought up with the uh, seaweed earlier but it was like a pop-up thing where you could get goat camel horse deer uh, and pig meat burgers and you could go there and go well and vegans I
1: vegans can have
2: the wakama yeah, burgers they and they can <laughs> have the or, but I'm, like I know vegans <laughs> I've got friends that are like vegans who will eat like feral meat because they cuz like ethic like ethical vegans they're like you know oh yeah. i don't agree with animal agriculture yeah. but i do have an well, ecological bent yeah. So you know that's contentious. Yeah. I'm not going to name names, so you don't you know, so there's no vegan shaming today. there. Talking about get,
1: get, but I mean
2: how <laughs> that I would I'd go there. I'd go there like 5 days a week and go I'll have the goat tomorrow, I'll have the kangaroo, I'll have the camel, I'll have the buffalo. Delicious. I'll have all the like and, and yeah. that's all delicious stuff. Hang like, on. You know, every single mouth watering. Okay. Okay. I've got a I've got a van. You got the idea. Let's put Let's on a show. <laughs>
0: feral Burger Road Show. I mean, hey, um, a Spe- speaking of feral yeah. cooking Peter Hilking. <laughs> no, that didn't quite work. Um, okay, cooking cooking ferals, cooking invasive species. Oh, yeah. Have you got a recipe for us for some of Anthony's beautiful venison? How are we going to cook some?
5: Oh, look, it, really, really simple, because that's what I am. Get a nice backstrap, sear it off, medium rare, Juliana vegetables, make your own balsamic glaze. You slice that up after letting it rest, chisel your glaze over the top. You are done and dusted with a perfect and simple dish.
0: Okay. <laughs> So fast. Can you? If you've got anything else, would you make it? Would you make a venison tartare? Oh, of course, you can. Okay, how are we going to do that? Because mm. I want I to use some. I want some of the other cuts as well. You can use leg steak for that. Leg steak, okay, and leg steak's cheaper. Oh yeah, okay. More of <laughs> other. <More available. laughs> um, <laughs> some of oh, it's
1: so leg meat, meat tartare.
4: Yeah. You, you yeah. gave us some yeah. of your cabana. Um, that was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You know, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know.
0: How are you cooking it? How, what's that? Also. I was a booker. Okay, yeah, cheaper, cheaper yeah. cut,
4: yeah. cheaper cut. It and as I said, it it helps <laughs> him, helps us. A slow braise. It it's it's braising three to four hours, depending. You know, um, yeah. yeah. Can I, isn't <laughs> no, it funny?
0: I, I, I just said cheaper cut, and, and we all just went, yeah, cheaper cut. Mm. And like, because that's that's shorthand for actually on the bone and more delicious.
4: <laughs> well, it's it's also um, there's you, there's a fair bit of tech. You know, there's time. You need patience. You need. You 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 need to have a little bit of skill to do it. Um, it's not just oh we'll do it. Um, every every do. animal every time you're cooking it's a different time. Mm. Okay. It's it, it's it's not going to be the same time. It, it might be two hours one day. It's four hours the next. You Compe-
1: need to know what you're looking for. I yeah yeah yeah. You need to much. know what it's yeah. going to look like yeah. after two yeah. hours or three. Yeah that's right. And I'd so like to what's... know what Matt. Um oh, sorry Pete. I was... it, but
5: it's also <laughs> utilising the actual the people mm-hmm. that actually go out. Yeah. Whether they farm them, they you know they mm. catch the mm. wild mm. pigs or mm. venison, yeah. or whatever. Talk to them. The yeah. best is yeah. how to cook them as well, because I tell you mm. what, like like these great chefs mm. here, mm. Mate, When what comes from the heart mm. ends up mm. on a plate. Yeah, that's yeah. right.
4: Yep. You know, yep. that's
5: what it's all about.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yep.
1: Matt, how would you cook the venison? I
3: my my first process in my mind is I I, I serve it with what they eat. You know, so like wild mm. blackberries and mm. some greens and stuff mm. like that so that naturally mm. comes mm. to my mind and mm. i think that's what cuts? the cuts mm. but listen i love denver leg so the the little muscle structures mm. of the mm. leg you can break them down because we understand that there's you know five or so muscle structures to a to a, a leg and the rump part mm. so if you break them down and get rid of the connective tissue you can use them as a steak mm. if it's correct I've, I've
4: i've got a question for anth is there much in the cheek no yeah yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So you're pretty much, yeah, 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 yeah. Next. Next or next. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Is there a shoulder? We'll talk.
1: We'll no. <laughs> <laughs> and is that cooked like a pork shoulder or a lamb shoulder?
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you pretty much treat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a. Deer shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. (laughs) I'm just getting excited. I'm getting. Uh, (laughs) He's hungry. (laughs) Let's
0: let's get a couple of uh, let's get a couple of sea urchin recipes before we before we head off into the into. I'm going for a swim in a second, so let's get them out of the way.
1: (laughs) Maybe um, because what would what are we going to see? A recipe on a menu, just in your what you'd put on tomorrow. You've got your burger. You and Richard have got your burger truck. Your feral, the feral, the ferals.
0: Can we do? We could do a venison. We could do a venison tartar, and then instead uh, mm-hmm. of egg, put on some sea urchin on top and for what the about richness.
1: Some yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, and what? So, recipes.
0: What would you do? We were talking about. Uh, what's another way of, of doing uh, uni of a sea urchin? What's another way of, of cooking it?
5: Well, I mean, as a, as I said, you know, I'd, I'd actually make a butter and actually get some um, beautiful scallops. Yep. Mm. Right, and just sort of really quick, nice light fry. Um, But you know what? Classic Abalone. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Right. Just nice and raw, Mm. and just whack on Mm. Whack Mm. on the sea urchin. You are done. Mm.
4: There is there is a lot more like uh, things like coming in through the markets as well. Um, I I talk to my fish guys, you know, all all the time, and they're like, you you're asking them what's what's what am I using this week? You're not. Saying, "Oh, I want this," yeah. they're, they're going to tell you exactly, you know, what the best thing. Is. And he's saying we're seeing a lot more like urchin and stuff coming in. You know, it, it. So it, it is becoming more popular um, because it, they're not getting it in if it's not becoming popular.
0: Yeah.
4: You know, this is. I think people's um, in general when they're going to a restaurant, they're looking for something a little different, mm. and the majority of people they, they
0: want it to be good. I was what speaking to Joey around? Varghetto, who's got a place in, uh, in Melbourne called... Mr Bianco. Mr Bianco in Kew in Melbourne. And he was talking about growing up as a kid. He grew up on the beach in Melbourne. He used to go out gang the sea urchins. And there's, is that there Colombian or Sicilian? They'd sit around and, the, and they'd just knock the, top off the, uh, knock the top off the sea urchin, squeeze a lemon, yeah. and they have it with yeah. some vermentino. Yeah. Or, mum, we we get, the, uh, we'd get, the, get a, scoop, a scoop out the little lobes of flesh And like like a carbonara, she'd get the hot pasta and she'd just spoon it through the hot pasta and would just take in a little bit of juice and just set the flesh ever so slightly. A little bit of black pepper, put some chili... And just like, again, Vermentino. you know, once once Let's again. See
1: that on menus more.
0: Yeah. That's it. Now I'm feeling.
2: Now I'm feeling hungry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One more dish.
2: Or we, oh, sorry, Matt, Paul, you guys. I was about to say,
0: what time is the vault open? I know. I hear. You. Speak, no. Hey, Bill hurley Fraser. Um, you, you just mentioned something about oysters. We got a few oysters. We got a few oysters left, have we? Can I just tell it? Can I actually, Paul West? You've got you've you've been working during COVID. Okay, you're a television personality, you're a radio personality, a really good cook and a decent human being. Thank during you. COVID, during COVID, you're out of work, but you went to work with the man who grows the oysters, which are suppli- which have been supplied to us here at the uh, Sacred <laughs> Festival. You're, you're familiar with the work he's done with up in Mumbler, the the Sacred Mountain up there. Yes. Yeah. What's that, why why his organic oysters different to other uh, uh, Sydney Rocks?
2: Uh, the estuary at Wappingo there is very uniquely situated in that it has uh, no freshwater inlet, yeah. It's only no, no permanent freshwater inlet. Yeah. Uh, it is a, a, an intertidal estuary that's permanently open as well. Uh, and so when you're farming oysters huge rainfall events affect the salinity and affect the sailability and also affect the flavor obviously the the fresh and salt water interaction as well as the the, the estuarial substrate that it's growing over so he can keep open for a very long time and um as someone that you know it kind of done all kinds of different jobs over the years, uh, to be able to go and work on one body of water yeah. for 12 months was a, a memory that I'll, I'll treasure forever because when, you know, and that's 12 months, let alone the people that are intergenerational, you know, back to deep time for our First Nations people or people that have been doing something for their whole career. When you get to see that same patch of country day in day out and you see all the uh, amazing things that happen there that if you just go and visit you never see it but uh, just you know getting out on a on an estuary like that at 7 a.m in the morning in the middle of winter when there's not a breath of wind and the water visibility is 10 meters and you're on a oyster punt and you're the first person on the water and it's like you're on a magic carpet gliding out. It, it's isn't just it, unreal. He's <laughs> not one
0: of the most beautiful parts of the world. And Shane shared, I think shares with everyone who comes there, the way he, um, the, the roads to the estuary were dirt and he, and he had them paved with asphalt yeah. so the water wouldn't flow in and upset the, uh, the the turbidity of the water. He worked with the foresters to make sure in the hills uh, around uh, Mumbler, which is the sacred mountain up there, and made sure that the roads uh, were properly uh, culverted and worked with the forestry and the activists to actually bring down
2: the, the The forestry as well. He's a bit yeah. of a go-getter, old Shane Buckley. He it, sends his regards. He wishes actually, he could have been down and, here for this and, one, and, but and this, uh, good someone. boss, terrible at... He's that kind of fella. <laughs> so really...
0: And, and a really decent human being and an ex-ambo too, you know, which might resonate with some people in the room, and a superb human being, and that's what this, this is what this festival is about. We've got greetings, we've got love coming from Malakuta. we've got love coming from, from Go. We've got, we've got, I think we've got, is this your first time from Broome, is it? I think we've got, will you go we'll back, you and, again, can, you, must can, be can you send our love to the sea people at Broome from, from Apollo <laughs> Bay, will you be our, our ambassador? Will you be ambassadors for us, tell the people about the festival, tell you what they learned today, Uh, the stories that Yaren has told us, the stories that all our speakers have told us, the people, that Dr Jack, that everyone in this room has told us about how we have to need to look after our waterways, we need to look after the land. Will you do that for us? Will will you you, you do that for us? Hilary, will you do that?
1: I'd be honoured. It is an honour to, to, to look after our community and everything that we eat drink and jump in mm-hmm. soon.
0: and and by the way uh, we have got an invitation to go to the distillery for um, what time at the distillery Five o'clock. Five o'clock.
5: Yeah, we got some and stuff we we got the oysters and oh. we've got four chefs
1: here can we just get them onto it we got we've got some crab we need cooking we need cook can you guys help <laughs>
0: Before we go, we need to thank our chefs, Peter Hilkey, Matt uh Julian Tassant, and Mr Paul West. Thank you. Thank you very much. Give thank them a round both. of applause.
1: Thank well, you, well, all of you. Thank you, thank you.
2: Uh, and just before we wrap up, can you please continue that applause for our two fantastic MCs? They've been at it since 10 o'clock this morning. It's no small oh. feat. So, thank big you. round of applause.
0: Dan on Dan on microphones, thanks mate, much Dan, appreciated. Amazing, Good man, Dan. The lovely Liz and all the volunteers who have helped. The oh. lovely But this here. Yeah. A, a volunteer committee, uh, people who put this show together. They do it through love for the community, for the land, for the sea, and for other, and other human beings like ourselves. Liz.
1: Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Hilary. And thank you to all of our speakers. We're just incredibly grateful for, for you to come down here and to join us in, in this conversation. Um, to all of you, we wouldn't be here without you, so thank you for coming. Um, to our incredible um, committee, and I think Bill might have a couple of words to say in a minute um, about about our committee. that could be really dangerous we've done that before Um, and and we've got a raffle we've got a raffle to draw paul um lisa's going to hold it high paul's going to draw the winner
2: for the ocean fundraiser
1: yes for the fundraiser here we go buy tickets i should hope so
2: ladies and gentlemen get your tickets please is it just one okay and the winner is Jill with C57 Orange G57. Jill is the winner. <laughs>
3: <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> yes, Jill! Oh, come on.
2: And uh, congratulations, Jill. Just before we shoot off, um, I'd just like to say a couple of words. It's my first time here. I, I, I'm a sucker for a microphone. I do, f- I do eight hours of live radio a week, so I'm like, oh, this is so comfortable. Oh, we're just getting started. Uh, it's my first time here for the Apollo Bay Seafood Festival. So, Billy, thanks so much for reaching out and getting me involved. It's a pleasure. Liz and the organising committee, all the volunteers. Uh, I had the opportunity to attend all day yesterday and saw all the talks today. And something that really comes through really clear to me is the passion of this community uh, and the passion for what you have here uh, and the want to protect it and tell that story to the world. And that just came through really stark to me uh, in a really beautiful way. You couldn't have asked for a better day yesterday. And to see the passion of every speaker up here today in their own little way, protecting this beautiful part of the country really means a lot as a visitor. So thanks for having me, and I really appreciate the hospitality.
1: Good on you, Paul. Thank you. And as I said, thank you, everyone. And it's a wrap for the the (laughs) Polar Bay Seafood Festival 2023.